The following sermon is a ministry of Hilton Head Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at hiltonheadpca.com. Good morning. I'm Chris Bowen. I'm still the new guy. Then uh, it's good to be with you. Uh, we were telling some friends, uh, we moved here a couple months ago, and this already started to feel like home. We have a house, but the house is becoming a home, and so we, we are thankful for all of y'all. Um, we, we are grateful for uh, friends who are with us. Uh, I see that you know, the Lord takes us on these journeys, and, and our stories interweave, and it's really fun when He brings those um, lines back together. And so maybe some of you are experiencing that. I know we are, and it's good. Um, this morning, we're continuing in our, our series in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus' sermon that He gave, really talking about the countercultural values of God's kingdom and how they lead to human flourishing. And as we look at this text this morning for the Lord's Prayer, where we're camping out for several weeks, we're going to look at the first phrase, the inter- really the introduction of this prayer. Uh, when you think about the Lord's Prayer, uh, when you may say that, or say that on your own, in your own quiet time, or in a worship service, we are, as a people, as, as a family of God, reciting the very words that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. So we are joining in the great uh, narrative of God's redemption and what he is doing in the lives of his people. And we, with the, the sounds that are coming from our lips, joining with what they said in the same way they prayed. And so this is a pattern for how we should frame our prayers. And what we're looking at this morning is, is focusing on, on the source of that flourishing, and that flourishing only comes from communion with the Father. And that's a radical idea, and it's what Jesus is, is communicating to these folks who are listening to Him. Um, and so would you give your attention this morning to the reading of God's Word? We're going to start in Matthew 6, and in verse 7, and I'm going to go through verse 13. And Jesus said to those who were listening, He said, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the word of the Lord. The grass weathers and the flower fades, but this endures forever. Let's pray and ask God to teach us this morning from his word. Father, we come before you having been granted access through your son. Lord, would you write the truths of these words upon our hearts and would you impress them so that they would influence and impact the way we live and the way we approach you? Lord, would we do that with boldness knowing that you delight to hear from your children. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When we look at this passage, really what I want us to focus this morning is on three things. That's two. This is three. Three things. Uh, We're going to see something revolutionary, something incredible, and something humbling from just this real brief introduction of our Father in heaven. Something revolutionary, something incredible, and something humbling. The reason why it is those things is that because in the heart of every person, I'm convinced there is a desire to know a loving, 
father. To know a loving father. All of us have a father. Some of us may not have met him. Some of, some of us may have lost him. Some of us may struggle. <laughs> um, sometimes I feel like God gives us children like us so that we would repent of what we have made our spouses live with and what we have done with our, to our parents. And so there, there's maybe some of that going on. Um, all of us have imperfect fathers. We've had fathers, some of us, that were physically absent, that were just not there. They had chosen not to be a part of our family, and that has left a deep wound for some of us. Others have a father that was emotionally distant. He might have been in the home, but he was emotionally not necessarily knit together as part of the family. And, and, and for others, we're, we're, they're struggling with that. Some of us had a father who was perhaps a time bomb father. That you live from outburst to outburst and you'd have those kaboom moments. And so you learned how to respond and interact around dad so that you wouldn't set him off. Perhaps some of us had a father who was just never satisfied. We never heard the words, I love you or I'm proud of you. And we carry those wounds, those mark with us, wondering if we'll ever be good enough. Uh, I have become an early riser. Uh, someone asked me once why I rose early. You know what my response was? Because that's what my dad did. All of us, in many ways, are impacted and influenced by the person that God has put in our life to be our father. And all of us have been impacted, perhaps in good ways, I hope, but also in negative ways. And so when we're looking at this passage, what Jesus is doing is trying to give us a new way of thinking. A new way of thinking in this fallen world that we inhabit, the way we are estranged from God, He is saying there is something revolutionary that's going on. Something revolutionary. And this, this idea that He is communicating to these folks is that of a relationship. In our day and age, when we pray our Father who art in heaven, we, we don't think of it as quite the, the, the incredible terms that, 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 and the way that it struck these folks when Jesus had said this. You see, in this day and age, for the, those folks who would have listened to Jesus, they, they had an understanding of God as the Father of Israel, of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but, but they didn't have this idea that, of a relationship. From Genesis to Malachi, in 39 books of the Old Testament, the word father is used 14 times in reference to God. 14 times. And all of those were in a corporate sense. In this kind of big distinction between God the Father, the creator of the universe, the sovereign king, and Israel, the nation. And so that was the kind of the nature in which to find the relationship. And when Jesus is, is in this passage, and really in the New Testament, he is coming on the scene and he is using this word Abba, Aramaic, uh, those very words that were fall from the, the lips of Jesus as he would pray to his father. And in the Gospels, it occurs some 60 times. So no doubt these folks who are listening to Jesus are, have seen the way he's interacted and they've grown up with him and there's something different that marks his relationship with God. And so he says, look, you you should learn how to pray in the very same way. He comes to them and, and says, this relationship 
You can have it. He's training us to think of not God as just this remote entity that is somehow out there. But he's saying that we can have a relationship. It tells us in verse 8 that your father knows what you need before you ask. He knows what you need. There is, there is something incredible in this. And that is the aspect of intimacy. If you, if you think of a father or, or just a parent in general, particularly mothers. Mothers are better than this. I will, I will give credit there. When, when you're on a playground, mothers and fathers know the sound of their child's voice. For the Young Life Banquet, I saw Thomas Joyner earlier. We sat over there. <laughs> and on the other side of that wall is the nursery. And I could hear my oldest daughter hooting and hollering through the wall. And, and, and only a parent can do that because there's a knowledge, there's an intimacy, there's a relationship that is going on there. And what Jesus is saying is, is that you can have that. And, and this is something that the Lord wants. He, he desires. He, he's trying to train us to say, Abba, Daddy, dearest. To, to come to Him. There are some words in my life that, that really were paradigm shifting. They were revolutionary in their own right. The day that Jen and I got married and she said, I do, those were revolutionary words. And they have changed my world in, in wonderful ways. A couple of other words that were revolutionary were, hey, I'm pregnant. <laughs> uh, but from that flowed really great words of when our girls were learning to speak and they said, dada. And hearing those words, them starting to mouth and make those associations and the way that you know, parents only do kind of silly things that they would never do in any other public setting, but they will do them for their child. There is a transformation that's going on there. And, and that's really just, just astounding. It's just astounding. And what Jesus is trying to communicate is that the Lord knows you. The Lord loves you. He, he can hear your voice and He can pick you out of a crowd. And in the front of the bulletin, there's a quote from J.I. Packer talking about this idea of understanding God as our Father. And he says, If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his Father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. You see, what J.I. Packer is saying there is that, that what should totally revolutionize the way we view our faith, the way we view prayer, the way we live out the Christian faith, the way we do church, the way we are people on mission, the way we disciple and serve and, and we're in community. All these different things are animated by the love of the Father for us. The love of the Father for us. Uh, I, the, when, you know, I, I kind of wonder what it was like to preach when I didn't have kids. <laughs> All my good illustrations are, are from my children. Uh, the other day, they wanted to get their training wheels off. They wanted to get their training wheels off. That's a big day. And so we're out in a parking lot, and one of my daughters was just kind of struggling to get the balance down, and she was frustrated. Well, what was she frustrated about? Because if she could ride her bike, she thought she would get a treat. Well, that's a pretty good incentive. I'm not, uh, bribery is not beneath me when it comes to my kids. But she said one of our, one of our other daughters was, was 
doing really well on the bike, and this one was struggling. And I said, what's the matter? And she said, Daddy, I, I, I just want a treat. I want to be able to do this. I said, you already have the treat. I'm proud of you. Just, just try. Just, just keep pedaling. Try hard. I'm proud of you. I love you. And through tears and frustration and not being able to get it, you know what she did? She got on that bike and she kept going. Because she already knew that, 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 that my relationship with her didn't depend on how well she rode a bike. Because, because I love her and she's mine. And what Jesus is trying to communicate to these folks is this radical idea of the gospel. And that, that it's not about how we get right with God, but it's how God has made us right through Jesus. And that we are in this relationship with Him and we have intimacy with Him. And that through that, this brilliant reality, our identities are formed and shaped through that. That we have this intimacy. There's two, two, next, there's another quote at the front of your bulletin that I love from Tim Keller. It says, The only person who dares wake up a king at 3 a.m. for a glass of water is a child. We have that type of access. If you think about your own home, if there is a rap at the door, a bump in the night, some sort of loud noise at 3 a.m., an hour that most of us would care not to think about, we usually jump up in either fear or, or some sort of movement with purpose to address the issue or at least find out what it is. But if a child comes to you in the middle of the, eat, in the, middle of the morning, I guess, middle of the night, and says, Hey, Daddy, I had a bad dream. Well, what do you do? Well, in our house... They know if they go to mom, mom probably will not roll over and let her sleep on the bed with her. <laughs> but for me, I do. And so they come to me because they know they can cuddle up and, and, and that I'll just pull the blanket over them and share my pillow and elbow mom. <laughs> and so we have that access. That is what Jesus is, is offering us. There's a, a picture that we're going to show, and I think it really summarizes this reality. John F. Kennedy Jr. was the first child born in about a hundred years in a president sitting in office. And what you see behind me is, for those of you history buffs, the Resolute Desk that has this door. And you see John F. Kennedy reading his papers, and you see his son playing at his feet. Who has access to a king at three in the morning? Who has access to the Oval Office to play at the feet of the president? It's his child. And while John F. Kennedy was immensely powerful in authority as the president of the United States, it is in no way comparison to the, to the creator of the universe who spoke all things into existence by the power of his word. We can change this. Everyone's going to keep looking at John John up there. Um, but, um, we, uh, but, but we have a, a immense access and intimacy to the Father. And what Jesus knows is that that is, is, is a desire of our hearts that is only met in relationship and communion with Him. And so when we think about the reality, the revolutionary aspect of our relationship with God and that, that He intimately knows us and loves us and cares for us. What that leads us to is something, something humbling. That He would know my name. You think about it, were you to meet uh, someone of great 
uh, importance, a, a political dignitary, someone uh, successful in business or some other sphere uh, of life, if you've been raised right, <laughs> you say, hello, Mr. President, hello, Mr. Smith. And usually what they'll do is they'll say, no, call me by my first name. It's a sign of relationship. But I tell you, for me, I can't do it. It's a struggle because who am I to be in relationship with this person? And so I think for a lot of us, that's what we struggle with when we come to prayer is we say, who am I to deserve this? He's this powerful one. Who am I? And there is this humbling effect. The great cathedrals of Europe were created to, to kind of lead people in this and putting us in a proper perspective. They had these high vaulted ceilings because when, we would go, when, they, when you go into those cathedrals, they force you kind of in the way that they're designed to look up. And when you look up, you get this proper orientation of who God is and where he, where he sits in heaven. And as you do that, you start to feel small and it moves you to a place of reverence. And, and as those two things are, are happening between the transcendence of God and, and our smallness, it moves us into worship. It, when, when we think about what is being offered here, it is simply humbling. But, but it's not so much humbling because we have a relationship with the creator of the universe, it's what he had to do to get us there. You see, Matt prayed it in the prayer before we had our offering that Jesus humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant. He left the riches of, of the Trinity in heaven and, and, and all of the flourishing that he had with God and he took on flesh and he became one of us. And what was revolutionary is that he went to the cross. This dramatic change, this paradigm shifting that he went there. He who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. That Jesus bore our shame. He bore our guilt. He bore the punishment that we deserve so that we could become God's children. You see, God has promised to give us security. And when we look to our fathers, there's a person that we look to to provide for us and to protect us. That they should have confidence. And, and, and God is saying that I will never leave you or forsake you. I will never forget you. But Jesus is the one that he forsook so that he could bring us into his family. In Matthew 27, verse 6, Jesus quotes, as he's dying on the cross... Psalm 22.1, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the Gospel of Matthew, it is the first prayer that he utters where he does not say Abba. Jesus was estranged from the Father so that we could call him Abba. So how does that, humbling us, this, this incredible re reality of the intimacy we have with him, this revolutionary dynamic of the relationship that He is inviting us into change the way that we think? How does it change the way we think about the Father? How does it change the way we think about prayer? I, for one, will be the first to admit that I am horrible at prayer. I am horrible at prayer. I often feel like there's all these things that I need to do, and that if I can just send one more email or study a little harder or hunker down a little more, that's a good Tennessee word for you, hunker down a little more that, that I can get things done. You see, God doesn't love us 
because of who we are or what we can do. He loves us because of who he is and what he's done for us. And so he is coming to us and in that, and what he's trying to do is to change the way that we think of him. He's changing the way that we think of him. He's inviting us in. And so this week, based off the challenge of last week's sermon, I I have a three-by-five card. Um, And I've started writing and pinning notes and prayer requests. It's simple. There's nothing technologically significant about it. But I put it on my dashboard, and when I'm driving in, because I have a commute now, I turn off the radio and shut off the podcast. And I talk to God. I'm not great at it. But, but, but God isn't worried about vain notions or extravagant words or eloquent prose. He, he, he's just asking for a child to come and meet with him. Yesterday morning, I was sitting out getting a little quiet time. I'd gone for a run and I came back and I'd taken a shower. And I was going to sit down. And I was going to read for a little while. And my, my youngest daughter came up and she said, Daddy, will you read me a book? It was honest, it was sincere, it was genuine, it was authentic, and I put my agenda aside and I interacted with my daughter. That's what God desires of us. He he longs for us to come and to to meet Him. And so the question is, will we? Will we take advantage of this relationship that we're offered? See, this idea of fatherhood is huge. And it was huge for a man named Henry Light. Light. During the, the offering, uh, Stacy played a song called Abide With Me. Henry Light wrote that. But what you may not know about Henry Light is that when he grew up, he grew up in, in a proper English family, and he went off to school because you weren't educated in the town that you grew up in. And so as, while he was off at school being educated, his mother died. And as he would exchange letters with his father... Um, he would, you know, it was comforting and a source of the relationship that he had with his parent. But his father got remarried. And I don't know why. But his father wrote to his son, Henry Light, and said, don't call me father anymore. And he started signing his letters, your uncle. And so Henry Light had a father that created a, a deep wound for him. But where he found healing was in his heavenly father. Henry Light wrote the song, Jesus, I, my cross have taken. He wrote, Abide with me. He wrote, Praise, uh, Praise the Lord, the King of heaven. And in all of these hymns and many more that he wrote, you will find a rich tapestry of the fatherhood of God who has woven through his songs and there he found comfort and there he found rest and there he found healing. Friends, many of us have been wounded by our fathers. We were here with some friends Thursday night and they were talking about how they're stockpiling funds for when their kids grow up and need counseling for the damage that they're going to do to them. And that, 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 that's the reality, right? Like we were like, hey, that's a good idea. Maybe we start the same fund. But all of us, if we're just brutally honest in those moments of vulnerability and we're speaking with others, we know the marks that we carry from those who love, we love. And what Jesus is saying and and what he's reminding us is that love is not afraid of what it finds in the dark. And that God knows us intimately and he desires that relationship and he moves into those spaces to bring healing. Healing that only the creator of the universe, the sovereign one of all things, the one who did not spare his own son so that he could have a relationship with us. Friends, this is the beauty of the gospel. This is the reality of what it means to belong to God's kingdom. And this is the beauty 
of what he has called us to participate in and to share with others. Let's pray. Our great God and King, we thank you for your mercy and grace that you loved us while yet still enemies, that you demonstrate your love for us in sending your son to die for us. And Lord, we can't fathom what that even means or what it entails. But Lord, what we know is that you've done it. And that by grace and through faith, you offer it to us. And Lord, we don't deserve it. And so Lord, I pray that you would continue to, to just transform us. Lord, that you would meet us where we are, but Lord, you would not leave us as we are. But you would continue to impact and influence our lives, Lord, to bring about the flourishing that you desire for your people. And that, Lord, we would be a community that is flourishing and it would be so contagious, Lord, that, that those whom we live next to and work alongside, those who we play with in our communities, Lord, that, that they would want to know how we relate to our Father. The same way these folks in, in this text, Lord, wanted to know how Jesus did that. Lord, would you help us to reflect his redemptive love to the world you've called us to serve? And we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.